Eyes on Oahu. I'm Sarah Doyle. This is episode three, Honolulu Hauntings. I'm here right now in Kapiolani Park and it's kind of freaky, I'm not gonna lie. I just heard a bunch of ghost stories that were set right here by Lapaka Kapanu. He is a professional ghost storyteller. He's a native Hawaiian. He runs tours called Mysteries of Hawaii, so check that out. Uh, please enjoy this episode. Have a very safe Halloween. And just, you know, on a side note, as, as a real estate agent in, in the state of Hawaii at least, I must disclose to you if I know that there have been hauntings or paranormal activity or have heard that that has happened in a house, you know? So if you, if you buy a house and then you find out it's haunted and then you find out it was sold because it was haunted and the real estate agent didn't tell you that, you know, you could sue them. But anyway, I'm not a suing kind of person. I hope you aren't either. But just, you know, ask. You know, sorry, this is freaky. All right, have a good one and mwah. This is Lepaka Kapanu. He, uh, how long have you lived in Oahu? Um, all of my life. I've spent my earlier years traveling because I, I got rock fever, so I have to get out and see the world. Mm -hmm. And what? And how did you get into the ghost storytelling business? There was a, a ghost tour that everybody was talking about in 1994, and I was working at a hotel in Waikiki, and somebody recommended it. And so I went the following Wednesday, and the man who was conducting the tour was a professor of American history at the university. And all of the stories he told were basically the same things I heard growing up, except there was a lot of documentation, you know, and, and fact-checking. And so I was, I was fascinated. And the short story is I was also dancing uh, hula for my, my cousin. And the Wednesday after that, he told us at class that we were gonna be part of this, this ghost tour out to the west side. Mm -hmm. And his best friend was the one who was conducting the tour who happened to be the same guy, uh, Glenn Grant. And so we were part of that tour for a few years. And one weekend, my cousin who co-hosted that tour couldn't make it. He had to fly to Washington, DC. I took his place on a Saturday and that following Monday uh, Glenn Grant called me and, and said you know it was pretty good and he offered me more work and eventually wanted someone to start doing the ghost tours so he could concentrate on writing books and um, doing his radio show and other things so that's basically how it started mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and do you so you do this five nights a week how, how, how or four nights how often are you doing ghost tours in Honolulu the regularly scheduled tours are Monday Wednesday and Thursday Monday Wednesday Thursday right. and so do you sometimes just like how do you get rid of the bad juju like do you well, you know, that's the funny thing. Everybody, everybody thinks that once you do something like this, you'll acquire all this uh, supernatural energy. Mm. Um, essentially, what I, what I do if uh, the, the evening has become too heavy, I go to the ocean and, and cleanse. Mm -hmm. Or if there are too many people at, at the beach, then I, I go up into the mountain and cleanse under, under the rain. Wow, wonderful. Is in a traditional sense, or you have your own personal sense yeah. of cleansing? Well, in the way that my, my mother taught me that a, a cleansing should be done. Wow, wonderful. Yeah. That's so cool. I do find the ocean very cleansing myself. Yeah. Um, so, do you think Honolulu is more haunted than other cities? Or, I mean, where, where would you say is the most haunted place on, Hawa on Oahu? You know, the, the funny thing is... Um, in the college of uh, the School of Parapsychology, they always say that ghosts are only where people are at. 
and ghosts need the energy of people to, to do what they do. So the most haunted places are probably the most densely populated areas of you know, any of the eight islands. For Oahu, it's uh, Ocean Point and downtown Honolulu. Really? Yeah. So where, where, where are you seeing the most uh, ghosts uh, and haunting action? In the newer developments, uh, places like uh, Kaka'ako. Really? And, and the ward area. In the Kaka'ako area, uh, there's a mass burial of uh, people who perished from smallpox about 1853, 1854. And so those, those were left undisturbed for the longest time, but now that uh, you were good. Oops. That's okay. <laughs> But now that all these new buildings are, are coming up, you know, the remains are being churned, churned up, being made of the uh, part of the foundation of, of certain buildings. So I've been getting um, calls since that happened. So with, with new buildings and new developments and, and, and sort of you, there is an effect of playing with, the, with, the le with, the, with what's left of the dead mm -hmm. that actually conjures their spirits. Right. And so a lot of times uh, developers want the what I call the Band-Aid Hawaiian blessing. You know, just uh, tell the bones we're sorry and we're gonna build anyway and you know, let's just move this thing forward. Whereas a more traditional protocol type blessing, you know, if the developers were patient, those blessings take about a couple of weeks. And that would probably be the best way to do it to, to make sure that, you know, everything goes smoothly. Mm -hmm. And the residents of said office or condominiums are, are not disturbed. And I don't, I don't advertise. Uh, certain things that I do. I do blessings and cleansings and other things. Uh, those are not advertised. But I also offer people in the real estate build, uh, business, if there's a property that's about to be sold and it's quite not sold yet, if they need me to come there and, and just sort of clear it and bless it before you know it's purchased, you know, I, I do that too. And have you had many real estate agents ask you to do that? There have been a few uh, who have to remain anonymous, but yeah, uh, but they were selling properties uh, at the Kipapa Gulch area, uh, places in Ocean Point and Kapolei. Have you ever had to testify um, that there was knowledge of, of hauntings or paranormal activity? Um, if they're in, in a case where someone has uh, sued for, for this, this sort of activity that they weren't disclosed? It hasn't happened yet. <laughs> <laughs> but I imagine it soon will. But up until this point, uh, no one wants, no one wants to touch me, as as far as that goes. Right. I I did almost have to testify in court, on behalf of a friend of mine who had a guy come to his house that he just bought, and uh, they needed a what do you call that stuff? Uh, drywall mm -hmm. done, and the drywall man claimed that the Japanese statue that was in my friend's house possessed him while he was working. And so I spoke with the, uh, the attorneys on both sides and privately with the judge. And the judge was very smart. He says, well, you know, this, is, this claim is going to get thrown out because we would have to find the spirit that, you know, supposedly possessed him and ask the spirit, did you knowingly possess this man? Yeah. <laughs> Technicality. <laughs> and, you know, and no one's going to be able to see or hear him in court. Right, so. right. Wow. And so, um, so Kaka'ako um, and are there spirits not pleased with the developments or is it just sort of like being awakened by a, after a long slumber going well what the heck is going on there there was a case at mother baldwin park where a condo was built and uh, a couple who was fortunate enough to to buy their own space in this condo called me and said something was wrong with their son and i'll give you the short story um 
they said he graduated college, got a job, was doing well, and all of a sudden when he would come to breakfast in the morning, he'd be covered by all these, these pussy sores. And he would claim that he'd have nightmares that he couldn't remember. And so they called a, a Catholic priest to come and check it out. And so this Catholic priest is a friend of mine, and he talked to the young man who took him to his room, and they sat and talked privately. He says, so, so what's happening? He says, oh, I have these nightmares I can't remember, and when I wake up in the morning, you know, I've got all this, these sores all over me. And he says, can you even remember, like, what some of the nightmares were about? And he says, well, in some of them, my room is, you know, is filled with people, men, women, and children, and they sort of have the same sores all over them. And my friend, the priest, asked the young man, well, do you know who these people might be? He says, they're the people who are buried under this building. And the symptoms that he was talking about was smallpox. Mm. Yeah. My goodness. So do you often... Um cross the aisle, so to speak, and, and work with um, Catholic priests or Christian ministers or that, that kind of thing? Or? I, I will say that different denominations have come to me for uh, particular kinds of advice where Hawaiian spirits are concerned, mm -hmm. you know, and how to deal with them rationally. I, I think uh, Western religion has begun to realize that they can't just barge into a place and say, be gone, get out. You know, it needs a little bit more than that. Right. <laughs> you just end up making a whatever is there a, a lot more angry, right. and a lot more stubborn, and they refuse to leave. Right. So you know, a little bit of sugar goes a long way. Mm-hmm. And so, where are the uh, aside from Kaka'ako with the new developments? Uh, where else is is quite haunted? Where are you finding the most juicy ghost stories? <laughs> There's a hotel in Waikiki that has the highest rate of guest suicides. It's centered around the west-facing tower specifically on the entire 15th floor. And so the joke in Waikiki is that this, the prices at this hotel is so ridiculous you want to kill yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and again, the short story is, um, you know, Japanese weddings in Hawaii are big business. Yes. You know, and some uh, Japanese companies have built their own chapels so they can have their own weddings and stuff. And <clears throat> the majority of the suicides are visitors from Japan. And so a friend of mine told me, who was part of the Japanese wedding business, that it's a very, very sensitive business. If you say the wrong thing to the bride, she might misunderstand and she'll kill herself, you know, either at the, the ceremony or the reception or back at the hotel, which is normally that hotel. Mm -hmm. And so there's also a strange rule that if, if the Japanese family at the reception hires a Hawaiian musician, who in turn hires a hula dancer, the hula dancer cannot be prettier than the bride. Uh -huh. And so there was a case like that back in um, 2006 where that happened and the bride was so upset that everybody was focused on the hula dancer that she killed herself. Oh, wow. So is that, I mean, is that haunting or is that more saying the wrong thing to the bride? I mean, is there anything particular that happened at this hotel that would align to these suicides? I, I think it's a combination of... Uh, two types of energy that are the same considering the sensitivity of you know Japanese bride and the fact that this hotel before it was being developed in Waikiki a lot of um, the Hawaiians and there were still Hawaiians in Waikiki back then told the developers you know emphatically don't build this property here maybe a couple more feet this way and they identified it as a as an aukueva an opening between worlds where the spirits leave and enter and that some of the energy, if not most of it, was, was negative energy. And so they said, you know, just, just for everyone's well-being and safety, just right over here. But they didn't listen, and they built it on that spot anyway. And so they've had trouble keeping um, 
people in a spa employed, people who own those little shops on the first floor in broad daylight will see shadows walking through their store. Things will fall off the counter. Uh, they'll, they'll hear things like their names being whispered. Mm. Yeah. Wow. What is, what's, the, what's your favorite ghost story to tell? <laughs> My favorite ghost story to tell is the one that actually happened to me uh, a couple of years ago. I have this, this thing sometimes where <clears throat> if I exhale too hard while I'm sleeping, the waistband on my shorts sort of like folds down. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's, that's sort of irritating. So sometimes mm -hmm. I have to wake up and you know straighten it out and go back to sleep. Mm -hmm. And one night that happened, I exhaled too hard and I felt the waistband on my shorts fold under like this. Mm -hmm. And I felt my wife reach around my waist and just flip it back up. And I was half awake, so I turned over and said, thanks, babe. And when I went like this, she wasn't there. Looked to my bedroom door, and she came walking in. Oh. Yeah. So that's my life, folks. <laughs> then did you get up and go to the ocean and cleanse? No, I, I screamed like a girl first, uh. and then <laughs> I went to cleanse. Oh, my goodness. Do you have any idea, like, what, why that would have happened to you? You know, uh, in Hawaii, we have something called e'epa, uh, or kupu'eo, and these are spirits who are just pranksters and troublemakers. And there are lots of them in Hawaii before, but because of all the development, everybody believes they've gravitated upland to the forest areas. But wherever they were prevalent is where they're still at. And so when I did a lot of research, extensive research, I found the area where we lived in and still live in now is, is one of those places. Mm -hmm. So we're not afraid of, it's, uh, afraid of it so much as we are. Give us a break you know we're off the clock we'd like to get some sleep <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. and what where else in in waikiki is is a an area that has a lot of activity oh uh kapiolani park oh really yeah it has a an extensive uh procession of night marchers that go through it and they filter right through the bandstand they go directly across the park uh, -huh. uh to this old temple of human sacrifice there was an old temple of human sacrifice? Yeah, right on the slopes of Diamond Head. Whereabouts on the slopes of Diamond Head? <laughs> um, La Pietra School for Girls. Okay. So that makes it the single most haunted private school on the island. Wow. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Have you been called out there before? To... I, I was asked a couple of years ago to go with my friend to tell ghost stories at the school. And when it was my turn to step up to the microphone, the principal met me on the microphone and she put her hand over the, the microphone and she said, any ghost story you want to tell, just nothing about this school. Wow. <laughs> oh my goodness. So when, when were the, because I know you, you're an historian too, when, when were these human sacrifices happening? Oh, they were happening right up to the time of uh, Kamehameha the Great. I think that temple was one of the last that offered a, a male victim of human sacrifice. So only, only men were offered as sacrificial victims. Uh -huh. uh, women were not considered good enough to be a sacrifice. Uh -huh. Mainly because we're a male-dominated society, the primary gods were male, mm -hmm. and women were forbidden from doing certain things or eating certain things. And because women had a friend who would pay them, pay them a visit once a month, uh, they were not considered a pure enough offering on the sacrificial altar because when a sacrifice is offered, there can be no blood. Wow, and were these uh, victims or sac sacrificial men uh, willing? Oftentimes, no. Oftentimes, <laughs> no, I would suspect. Yeah. And when, when, it, when are we talking here? We are 
talking from the time of the uh, mass migration from the South Pacific where uh, the class system introduced human sacrifice. Uh -huh. So I think well, well before the 10th century. Uh -huh. um, right up until uh, about 1795-ish, around there, up until 1810, during the reign of Kamehameha. Really? Yes. Wow. And then, and you guys killed Captain Cook too, didn't you? Well, I mean, if he knew how to swim, he could have gotten away. <laughs> yeah. And you know, the, the Maoris from New Zealand, mm -hmm. they tease us about it. What do they say? <clears throat> they say that... Um, Hawaii has no real warriors, and that when Captain Cook came, you know, there was one place where the Maoris gave him everything. It's called the Bay of Plenty. Uh -huh. And they claim there's another place where he went and they gave them nothing, and apparently it's called the Bay of Starvation. I'm not sure if that's accurate or not. And so, <clears throat> in that aspect, they tease us Hawaiians, you know, there's no real warriors left in Hawaii, but we often remind the Maori in a very friendly way, because they're our cousins, you know, you had the chance to eat him, but you didn't. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that, yeah, that, it's, it's interesting that there's the, the cultural crossovers with right. um, New Zealand and somewhat Australia with Captain Cook. Um, not, not really with the Aboriginals, but yes, with your Maori uh, and Tongan. Yeah? Tongan, Samoan. Yeah. yeah, Samoan. We have a lot of Tongans and Samoans in yeah, Sydney. They make great rugby players, I hear. They do, they do. Yes. <laughs> They're good friends to have. Um, <laughs> okay, so can, can you tell me one more awesome story? So there's a, a woman who worked for the uh, Attorney General's office, and this is when I was teaching school about 20 years ago still. And her daughter was one of my students. And afternoon time, she came to pick up her daughter, and she took me aside, and she said, I don't know if you're going to believe me. And I said, just, just tell me. And she says, you know... Uh, Yesterday I got off of work early, and I thought I had enough time to, to drive back home, you know, take a shower, change, and then, you know, come pick her up. I said, okay. And she said, but you were off work yesterday. I said, yes, it was my day off. She says, I get home to my house, and I walk into my house, and she points to her daughter and says, and she is sitting at the kitchen counter eating a plate of cookies. And she says, but my daughter is wearing clothes that doesn't belong to her and her hair is all messy and she's got this dark circles under her eyes and she's eating her cookies like and she walks up to her and goes baby how did you get home daughter goes like this and she can't think to herself and she's horrified now how did my daughter get home you know because i'm the only one who picks her up and her phone rings and she says hello and it's the registrar from the school calling and the daughter's on the other side of the phone going mommy mommy you're late mommy where are you and so the woman said she looks at the phone like this and looks at where supposedly her daughter was sitting. She said, the daughter's gone. But on the stool is a pile of uh, number two. And on the other side of the stool are, are number two footprints going across the kitchen floor, up the wall, ceiling above her head, going right out the front door. Wow. Yeah. And so this little story I just told you actually took this woman, uh, I think, about an hour. To get through the whole story. Oh my goodness. And what what made me believe it is this is a woman who works for the Attorney General's office. And if you know her, she's tough, she's no nonsense. Uh, you know, men twice my size are afraid of her. <laughs> and so for her to say something like this and for her to take like a whole hour just to get through the story, right. something must have happened. Oh wow. And yeah. is that, a, would you attribute that to her or to the daughter? <clears throat> I would attribute it to her. Because even though she does what she does for a living, 
I believe she had some level of uh, psychic sen sensitivity. And then the place where she lived was just newly developed and everybody, again, told the developers, don't build in that neighborhood mm -hmm. because it's known to have those kinds of spirits. So mm -hmm. we call them Epa Kupu Eo, but I think the uh, Western term is a uh, doppelganger. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> wow, but evil doppelganger. Yeah, not so good doppelgangers. On, on the wrong side of the tracks, doppelganger. Yeah. So wait, just to circle back to the Kapiolani Park marches, <laughs> called the marches, are you, are you saying that they are the human sacrifice, or am I conflating stories here? But yeah. they, they, they are the human sacrifices from private girls school oh no no uh, night marchers are spirits of long dead warriors who march during the last four moon phases of the hawaiian lunar calendar and so on one night there's a warrior procession another night's one for the god of agriculture the third night is only for spirits and the last night is the night of the gods where only the gods walk the earth and men are not allowed to be out and about and so this procession that walks through Kapilani Park is the warrior procession. The difference is um, they're all headless. So when Kamehameha won the Battle of Oahu, and he was known to take prisoners of war, and he would give them an option. He would say, you guys can side with me. I'll give you land. You know, I'll make sure you're well fed. Your people will be taken care of. Or if you decide you don't want to be my friend, then it's not going to turn out well for you. So when he won the Battle of this island, and gave the same choice to those prisoners of war who were from Maui and Oahu. They decided to remain loyal to their chief, who would eventually be caught and, and killed and sacrificed. So at this big temple of human sacrifice where the girls' school is now was also a compound where he took these people and personally went to this compound and had a two-pronged wooden weapon called the makalua, which means two eyes, and plucked their eyes out one by one. And then he came back a short time later and broke every bone in their body and let them suffer. And then the last time when he came back, he chopped all their heads off and mounted it on stakes along the, on the walls of this temple. Wow. And so a lot of uh, people believe, especially historians, that uh, this procession in particular are, are those warriors. Wow. And, they, and they're, they're marching? I think they march on the, the moon phase called Akua of the Hawaiian lunar calendar. So what makes this story valid is um, different generations of police officers have told me the same story, have seen the same procession. And in Kapilani Park after 10 o'clock, the police have to ride through and chase out all the uh, undesirables. So a couple of officers have, have said in their vehicles as they're riding through the park, something they can't see picks it up, turns it over, and tries to shake them out of it. Oh, wow. And so when they hit the ground and look up, there's a procession of Hawaiian warriors holding torches and spears, but no heads. Oh, I just got goosebumps. Yeah. Can we finish with a happy ghost story? A, a friendly ghost? Okay. <laughs> um, and it, it's a longer story, but it's really short. Um, uh, just take your time. We okay. want to hear the details. Uh, you know, and I was really thankful for this gentleman for sharing this story because uh, he's a military guy, and I know he's not a touchy-feely kind of guy. Mm -hmm. But... Um, he said he raised his son by himself. Uh, the second the son was born, his wife decided, hey, married life is not for me. You know, I'm not meant to be a mom. And she just took off. Mm -hmm. This is weird. I didn't turn Siri on. She turned herself on. Wow. And so, you know, he went through the, the pains of uh, raising a, a son by himself. And he said, finally, 
I'm sorry. Every, That's okay. Everybody and their mom decides to text me when I tell them not to. Um, and so he says, you know, the, the hardest thing was when his son became a teenager because mm -hmm. he became awkward and mm -hmm. didn't confide in him anymore and, you know, locked himself in the bedroom. And so this went on for most of his teenage years. And then he says, one day my son is in the kitchen, he's on the phone, and he hangs up the phone and screams, Dad, 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 I need your help. And he says, what's the matter? He says, Dad, this girl that I like, her name's Lisa, she asked me to the winter formal, and I said, I'm going to go. And he said, wow, that, that's great. He said, I need your help. And he says, well, what? And he, he assumed the son needed to talk. He says, are, are, are we going to have to talk? The son says, no, no, I, I learned from MTV. It's not to talk. <laughs> he says, well, what is it? He said, I have to go find clothes to go to this thing. So they went to a store at a shopping mall, and the son, he let the son pick out his clothes, which was um, a beige corduroy coat, a purple square tie, a blue shirt with white pinstripes, and uh, red jeans. Whoa, yeah. was it the 70s? <laughs> I think it was the 80s. It sounds like the 80s. And, you know, he was just holding his tongue. He says, are you sure you want to wear that? Son says, yeah, it looks good. He says, okay, you know, you, it's all right. And so they're leaving the mall, and he said, the parking lot is just crazy. It's, you know, there's no parking. People are driving around. When they walk out of the entrance of, of the mall, and they're walking through the parking lot, he and his son are talking, and he says, all of a sudden, in the middle of the conversation, the son pushes him like, shoves him out of the way, he hits the ground, he goes tumbling, and then he hears, boom. And when he looks up, his son has been hit by a car. And so he's in a panic, and he runs over to where his son is, and you know he's holding on to him, he's saying, you know, hey, Kai, 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 are you okay? And uh, the big truck that ran him over was uh, this, this Samoan family. Mm. So they're horrified, and they're sorry, and the ambulance comes, and uh, they tell him that your your son has already expired, you know, probably when he, he was hit by the truck. And the Samoan family is just horrified. And so this guy said it, it took him a long time to realize that his son was actually passed. He was just numb. And um, he said one day he just got in his car and went to school and waited outside, and 3 o'clock came around, and he noticed that his son didn't come out of the school. And he says, oh, my God, where the hell is he? And he walked into the, the school, went to the son's class, and nobody was there, and then when he, he looked at the desk where, you know, Kai's name was, that's when it hit him, mm. you know. And his son is, is gone. He's not coming back. And so he said a short time later, he wakes up early in the morning. It's a weekend. He's just going to go drive somewhere. And he said the Samoan family, mother, father, and three boys, he said the three boys of this family are sitting on his lawn. And he knows who they are, and he says, what? What the hell are you doing here? And the boys say, our father is, is in jail right now because of what, what he did, and he's sorry. And so he is offering us to you as an apology. And <laughs> according to the someone custom, they have to sit there until they're forgiven. Uh -huh. So the guy says, rather than, than accept you know, this physical apology of, of this thing that the guy did, he said for some reason something clicked in his head and he saw it as an opportunity to take their life. So he went in the house and got, got out his son's uh, aluminum baseball bat and was marching out there. He said, I was holding the bat like this, marching down the hallway, and he hadn't cleaned out his son's room yet and he passes the room and something catches his eye and he stops and he looks back in the room and he says his son is sitting on the bed. 
And he hadn't quite hit him that it's his son's ghost. And he steps back and looks in the room. He says, Kai? And he claims that his son's ghost says to him, Dad, don't do this. Don't, Dad. And he says, what are you talking about? Don't do it. This is an opportunity to take my revenge after what that guy did to you. His sons are sitting out in the front yard. I can do it now. We'll be even. And his son says, Dad, if you do this, when the time comes, I won't be able to see you. We won't be together. And so father said he ran out there stood behind these boys and literally drew the bat back like this and he sort of glanced up and inside the window of his son's room there's the son going like this and so he threw the bat down and I think he said he just screamed in frustration and he told the boys get the hell out of here go and so <clears throat> he said at the court hearing before anything could proceed he just went up to the judge and said, you know what? I don't want this guy to go to jail for what he did. It was an accident. The parking lot was crowded. You know, people were driving around crazy. It was a hot day. And he said, sending this guy to jail for the death of my son isn't going to make anything better. My son's never coming back. And this man is going to suffer. His family is going to suffer. He begged the judge, just let him go. Just let it go. And he actually went over and, and shook the guy's hand, you know, gave him a hug. And so he told me the hard thing was standing at the podium giving his son's eulogy, having to look down at the son laying in the casket wearing the outfit he was supposed to wear for the winter formal. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's so beautiful. It's, yeah. it's very touching. I think you and I should write a screenplay together. <laughs> you, you are full of great ideas. <laughs> <laughs> so wow. this is a, a military guy with, with PTSD and everything, you wow. know, and managed to raise a, a teenage boy by himself. Mm. Yeah. And find forgiveness in his heart. Yeah. I know yeah. that would be hard for me. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely, for anybody. Wow, well, I've got the goosebumps. <laughs> Lepaka, thank you so much for thank coming you. on to Eyes on Oahu. Um, anyone listening or watching right now, do look up Lepaka, um, Mysteries of Hawaii, if you're going to visit. This would be a really amazing thing to do, um, but just maybe bring a friend so you don't get too freaked out. Um, and any real estate agents, well, Lepaka, <laughs> maybe you'll get busy in Kaka'ako. <laughs> Could be, you never know. You never know. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.